Theory Podcast. Boom. What's up, people? Welcome to Creative Theory Podcast, the show that brings you conversations with visual artists about how they got to where they got, what their day-to-day is like, what their struggles are, thoughts on the art world, and a lot, a lot more. Um, today, again, over Zoom call, very lucky to have uh, Andy Poon back for part two. And if you haven't listened to the first episode yet, um, so just check it out. We're probably going to follow up on a number of things we started there, but... Andy Poon is a visual development consultant, art director, designer, illustrator, costume designer uh, from Vancouver, BC. Andy, thanks for taking the time again. I'm glad I caught you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, after the breakfast routine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's a must. Got to maintain uh, uh, for people listening. It's a Sunday. So uh, thanks for uh, taking a bit of your uh, time out of your day for this. Anytime. Um, so, so I do, uh, I want to get into some details of, uh, your process for, uh, working with custom designers, just because I feel like that's a quite a unique, um, industry. It's a unique design process. I think most of the people, uh, that I know, and I think people listening to this, uh, a lot of people working in 3d animation. So, um, Design for live action, I imagine by itself, there's probably a small group of people that generally gets to work on that. Uh, I imagine it's a niche. Is that true? Uh, it kind of is. Um, like I consider usually with the stuff that I work on, it's uh, what I call like specialty costumes. Mm-hmm. So it's like either like superhero suits or alien like creatures, things that they, they need to uh, custom build. Um, mm. And then there are other illustrators that um, work a lot more from in the traditional costume illustration sense, just like regular clothing. So, um, mm. yeah. And so, and do you notice, do you know many people in Vancouver doing this or is it mostly like an uh, LA uh, hub of artists that does that? Yeah, it's mostly so LA hub of artists. I mean, the shows that come to Vancouver, like they'll hire Vancouver people. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, the ratio it's much lower, and I think there is maybe a handful, like five of me in Vancouver. <laughs> um, and some, yeah, some like yeah, usually you see the same name like over and over. Um, Interesting. I mean, because then that way talk about competition, right? If you're competing for five jobs in the city, that's uh, that that stuff. If you're comparing it to again concept art or something like that, yeah. And on some of the big shows, like even when they after they come to Vancouver, they might still be uh, generating the art in LA because mm-hmm. like there might be costume designer that already have a good relationship with an illustrator over there, or UK or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So and then like talking about maybe specifically about the process. One thing I always wondered, and I remember even, uh, I think the first time I even considered that this could be a job is seeing this, the art they made for Harry Potter. For some reason, like that stuff stood, stood out to me. I think it was just the tactile nature of it and the imagination. That stuff was really cool. In your case, do you get in as deep as, when you break it down your designs, do you get in as deep as like talking about the stitching that could be used here, the kind of materials, the underlayer, like is it, how deep do you get into breakdown of your designs when you're working with a, on a costume with someone. Or did you mute it? <laughs> oh, thanks. Andy, got, Andy's sitting with his kids, so he, uh, he got he punched my button. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. Like, um, but usually I start with like so same like just a sketch and um, very 
rough like grayscale um like painting to get mm. first one to establish the the pose and the form um and then um a general like layout of like where i think the seams would go and then i'll show the show the costume designer um <clears throat> especially off of like tv um because the time is so crunch um mm -hmm. usually a lot of times um they would start um sourcing like materials like different fabrics and such um so then those do the research i'll go uh get my drawing going um and then at some point they'll probably find fabrics that are available to them um um, especially right now at COVID time, like they're actually uh, the amount of resources uh, limited because all our factories mm -hmm. closing down. Um, so they would give me uh, like some samples um, of like, okay, we're thinking about this fabric and that fabric. So then I'll start like, you know, laying those into figuring out where those fabric could go into which area. Um, and then, yeah, and then of course, yeah, the seam lines because there's artistic seam lines, and then there are functional seam lines. Mm -hmm. um, so, like once we get to the pretty, pretty um, solid stage, you know, we'll show it to the director and producer, and um, on a lot of the superhero shows, you know, uh, to the stunt people and the props people because they oh, wow. also need to construct like helmets and stuff. Those are usually responsible by um, props people. Um, and then uh, the stunt people need to kind of maybe give their input on, oh, we might need to put a harness in there for like flying rig oh, um, wow. and such. Um, and then at that point, depends, they may even build like a quick mock-up and let the stunt people try it on to see where it start ripping or they cannot like um, rotate the shoulder joint or something. Um, so then I take all those things, again, read, re-inject it back into design um so hopefully ideally the the final product from me is as close um to uh, uh like an execution plan as wow. possible that's a lot of people involved that's interesting how it's like you know we in 3d would do with riggers and to make sure they can animate and in real life uh, especially it see like it makes sense where you probably can't cheat as much you know real life because like well no. that shoulder pad is going to just break into someone's face <laughs> yeah well and then like you know like um for some of the superhero suits that might have like actual post-production lighting effect then we need to start consulting with them on like hey do we need to <clears throat> add some green screen fabric so that you guys can track it or not mm -hmm. yeah <clears throat> man that's the only that's why like this is so good to talk to this i, I never considered it makes sense and then for even just the materials that, that's, that they source, I guess they probably have to think about, or you have to think about, you know, for different lighting oh, scenarios, is that going to work? Yeah. 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 yeah, like, um, you know, like some of the earlier superhero shows, like the costumes were on the darker side, and then also the, the style and the DP, how it like the sets is also dark. So mm -hmm. we figure out it get lost a lot in the on the camera. So we started to have to figure out like maybe adding some uh, like metal um, detailing just so it catches like locums and stuff light so that it still have enough interests of detail mm. on screen. And did you guys figure that out after the mock-up, like uh, the actual physical costume was made or was it still in design phase? Uh, I think, I think that's something that was kind of learned during the like season one kind of process. Mm. 
um and then also like in terms of uh, like the sheen of the material like <clears throat> like let's say for like green arrow how how bright can that green be without looking silly but enough to um still behave like a green in the dark mm-hmm. environment um so yeah so definitely like the good thing about the tv show is like likely there's gonna be multiple seasons that it could evolve um but then if it's in a movie then you have way longer like upfront development time so they would have probably built quite a few prototypes before the to test awesome. the camera before it goes to the final camera so because you've uh, worked on this long enough now is there materials that you prefer like when you're designing do you think uh, of telling the costume designer like do you have this stuff because you think it will work well are you starting to think in materials now uh yeah like there's st- definitely certain materials that i know will work and ones that won't work and um, same as like semine placements um the, the the cool thing is like with like the printing technology these days you can mm-hmm. Like a lot of like even metal looking stuff on costumes sometimes is built with leather because it's so flexible. But you mm. can you can treat it so it looks like it's kind of like set decoration. Like when they build a set, like it looks like marble. It's just like foam. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so same thing goes on like with costumes. Like you can fake a lot of that. Um, but yeah, with like you know like three D printing technology, like you can you can you can print textures on the fabrics and such. Oh. Um, so That's crazy. you know. Yeah, like I love the stretchy, like super stretchy materials. Like you can, you can print different type of textures on it to have it mimic. Um, but yeah, a lot of the super suits made of the this material called Euro Jersey. It's a stretchy material, and you can print things on it. I guess it's it makes sense. I always wonder, yeah, if it's super tough getting into into those costumes, especially when they seem so like tight. They're, there is some some costume they need like uh like uh three people to get, get uh, yeah yeah so anytime it's a all the superheroes are wearing spandex and anytime you look at x-men or anything like that gonna have to get into that suit every day for work yeah, it takes up <laughs> takes some prep time to fight crime yeah so the you mentioned that you're you're working on sonic 2 uh are you doing if you can say uh, are you doing character costumes is that what you're yeah. doing yeah and then, uh, because it's a movie process, although it's COVID times, generally would you, because you're saying there's like a, a longer time frame to create something on a process like this, do you get to see, uh, you know, a costume designer make iterations in person? Uh, how would that usually work? Um, yeah, like before, yeah, I could go in the studio and actually see like other mock-ups and I would, you know, go in and take a look at other materials, like a source. Uh, we found this pair of cool shoes um might even be able to attend some like fittings um mm-hmm. but but now now yeah i get photos and zoom calls man covid why you gotta do this <laughs> almost there i think close yeah close yeah fingers close uh cross for that uh, so then in the past uh through this job you would get to i don't know meet some of the actors i guess that way because i know uh, you know if people listening like that's how you started out and just you actually on set talking to people yeah. now creating costumes uh, is that a thing that normally happens for you uh yeah yeah i have um um sometimes i have met during fittings sometimes i have met like just be like hey when are they shooting in that costume <laughs> i'll just like go and have a visit just to see them in action um, oh man that's awesome um, sometimes I just get to see them because of the schedule is so crazy. I might just see them on a on a mannequin, um, but mm. it's still pretty, still pretty cool. You got extra perks to the job. We gotta let people know. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, like same thing, right? Like, you know, we yeah. get to meet so and so and blah blah blah. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh while we're in a topic of this, I always wondered about it. Um I mean it's like but it just made me think about it. You know how regardless of um sometimes like even a level of an animated feature that would always be like the voice actors that will be brought on are always like the most famous you know even if it's a smaller budget film and i imagine they're oh that's a so problem and then so yes I, and i wanted to ask you it's weird how and usually those names are always put on the front even if they spend you know a day on the project but it sells i guess it's marketing <laughs> you know? i mean i think people think it sells i'm not sure if it actually yeah. sells like like i never but then i don't know if that's a problem because like we're in the industry like like to someone who's not in the industry let's say when they hear the name i don't know who's like let's say robert downey jr like yeah. would that actually make them see an animated movie because the voice is in it i i i don't know um yeah especially because we are talking generally kids films right mm-hmm. you know for example like what was that uh, the the movie about the bull ferdinand right like it was john cena i don't know right. how i mean unless it's a cross crossover and kids love wwe or something like that but i always wondered about that because um it it was always kind of sad to see that you know nobody would ever know the names of the animators or any anyone on the team who spent years on this thing but here's a person who spent a couple of days in the studio to record all their lines and they're in the front, you know, it, it's, yeah, I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm not complaining. It's, it's how the game works, but it's, it's just always was kind of odd to me that these names would all be thrown on in there. Yeah. I don't know if it's as if actually as effective as they think how it should pan out. Like, like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's quite a few anime movies got flop <clears> and they got like, um, what's that movie this um the spy one the pigeon that oh like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah spy in disguise that, or something yeah, yeah and that has tom holland and it's spider-man and yeah um i think is it will smith or maybe chatwick for the other like but that didn't do that well like mm-hmm. so i i don't think it actually really matters but i, I mean hopefully they learn because i know especially you know if like spies and just guys budget was like 100 million which is pretty wild you know if you're making a smaller budget movie let's say like uh willoughby's or something or, you know uh, the stars probably cut a pretty big, big chunk yeah and yeah. and it's already a small budget like why shouldn't the money go into yeah yeah so animation. in that sense and i wonder they maybe have to think of a movie maybe you and i watch movies which we uh maybe they did good and they didn't have the biggest names because when you're watching you don't care if it's like any of these people you just want to see great performance and there's plenty of good voice actors out there like um uh, i just recently um finished uh the the trilogy for uh how to train your dragon like i think it's still it's still my favorite animated trilogy oh really Um, they have some i mean they have obviously they have known actors but they i don't think they never use it to promote it Mm -hmm. Like uh, the one that who did heck up was Jake uh, Jake Baruchel, and I don't even remember who the other ones are because mm-hmm. I never need to know because the story is good. You're right; they're not even throwing it in on the front of their posters, which is it's smart though because the characters should be the stars. As they in, should like, shine, that. and yeah. then 
I mean, it's almost like it should be like the other way. Like, oh, cool. It's voiced by that guy I know. I love the characters. Exactly. Um, yeah. But it doesn't matter. Like, if you cast the right person, like, why can't the new <clears throat> no person be the new star? True. But, and that's why it's like the world of marketing is such a... Uh, I mean, I don't know how they get the statistics, but it's a different world. Even the way the art is made in marketing world is can be frustrating or tricky. Yeah. You, you probably, in your career, you've worked with many marketing uh, teams or yeah. art that you had to make for it. And <clears throat> I mean, and not just that, like sometimes <laughs> with the marketing, like sometimes you just give, you, you supply the material and then you're like, oh, why are you guys using it like that? Like, I know, right? Because <laughs> like, uh, it's a completely different team unless, you know, unless it's uh, like I, I have control over it. But sometimes yeah. you, you send your your stuff out, it just comes out like, okay. <laughs> just hoping for the best, but no, yeah. It's like it's if so you true. told me that your plan, like I could have probably prepared a little bit differently for you <laughs> so it actually works. You've seen those poster like things that oh, yeah. just stacked together, but poorly lined up because like the perspective's way off <laughs> exactly yeah clearly someone just grabbed things in photoshop and just threw it's them on top of one another yeah, yeah exactly yeah. it is frustrating because <clears throat> so much work goes into everything else prior to that right and then if marketing is the biggest thing and that's what's going to sell it man why did why don't they i mean here we're trash talking but why don't they put better artists on that <laughs> uh, yeah uh, it's, it's just and but I I hope that those tactics work. I guess they, I I don't know how how much research there is into when they're selling like a cartoon. To, yeah. Well, but you know how, for example, in film industry, uh, there I think for quite a while people are making fun of the fact that the same kind of poster composition gets reused every single time, and not exactly for the better, but it just familiar. and so then you. Exactly. And that makes you wonder, is it a trope that works or is it just what people fall back on just because that's, you know, the last thing they've seen is a person on a, like a three pose. What is it called? Tripod pose or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> well, I think, I think it works in the sense that like when it's something familiar, it does like, you know, almost hopefully evoke a feeling that you already enjoy and, and give you the false sense that it will be the same type of movie. Yeah. Um, again, especially for not us, but like for just more the general mass audience. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, sure, there are like kind of a, a, a number of like composition that like for like let's say the the landscape format like or portrait format that that works for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some sort of uh, go tos, but like within that, like there's still so much more room to play other than, you know, literally. And then the fun, and then the Hollywood, um, the color, the, the, the kind of sienna color, yeah, the, yeah. the grading, like the, the orange and the blue. Um, mm-hmm. But I think has been slowed down after, but like when, when the Michael Bay heyday, like it was oh, like yeah. going strong. <laughs> right? um, it was everything, but, and, but we also, and I guess for that reason, knowing how much of this goes on, it's, you know, we can't pretend that you, the, the industry just is just people trying to make money, right? It's fair, you know, it's capitalist world. It's a business. So gonna, yeah. And so sometimes these, this is why I imagine it's funny to listen to us because like as artists, we get it, but also for the business side of it, it's like, well, that's just, it's safe. It's a safer investment, right? Yeah. If you follow rules that work. 
yeah um until it doesn't then it then we they freak out and be like we need something so groundbreaking yeah um, and that's why it's yeah i think being on the inside and you know i've never worked in films so i've worked in animation but at least seeing some of it when I, when you see knowing how hard it is to make something truly new when you see something that comes out that is new and it's on a larger budget it's really impressive right yeah. Like, that's why uh, we may have mentioned it last time, but the fact that Spider Verse was made is pretty huge. Oh yeah, like it For, got through got through all the gates. That exactly. still looks so unique. Mm-hmm. For that franchise, especially, right? It's not just a new movie. It's Spider Man. No, it's Spider Man. It's from yeah. Sony. And it's so cool to know that someone was willing to take that risk because yeah. that's a it's a big one. You know, the animation style has was like a twos and threes and yeah. um they did all these filters it just did new things and it's <clears throat> rare that in that field especially in the i think in the superhero world it's rare that someone would take such a unique uh s- stand on a visual right when there's so many tropes established yeah like it'll be interesting to actually like i mean i've i've watched quite a few of, like behind the scenes stuff but the, those are still the more glossier like more surfacey kind of stuff but like so it'll be interesting to actually like know more about like because like the directors um you know they i think i'm sure they have pushed hard for it mm-hmm. so i'm curious if they have conceived the look first and then approach those guys or they approach those guys and those guys help push the look mm-hmm. um because then we talked about like you know alberto miago kind of established a lot of the uniqueness of it yeah. and it's all over the film um, but didn't end up staying on. So like, <clears throat> like what, like what translate over and what didn't didn't stay and why? Yeah, It'd be interesting to hear. Yeah, and I feel like yeah, it, it seems like such a daunting task to try to design a look on that level and how it translates into everything. Yeah, you know how, for example, I'll try to think of something where. You know, latest Pixar films, maybe even Soul or or maybe even Tangled to a degree. There's certain worlds that if you had to design a prop or something like that for it, I feel like you kind of get where to go in a way where you don't need the biggest art Bible to understand uh, right. an art style. Because in, in some ways, especially lately, it's like it's pretty realistic with something skewed, you know. Yeah. Um, I imagine art directing something like that would be more simple than spider-verse where everything needs to be made with such a strong direction you know it's right. not you, you're not just gonna model a chair and adjust the legs so they're a little bit yeah, bigger yeah. At the bottom it's like no this is a brand new thing that you're gonna make with this new process of how you even surface things right yeah um, that to me but seems the, sounds so daunting but then i wonder like <clears throat> like sometimes sometimes for me the the safe the safer the more familiar ones are almost more daunting because there is really no room to play <laughs> for that reason yes yeah i just yeah. wonder uh, being able to be such a strong creative and i'm sure it's having such a strong team to really think through something and analyze it and um and have such a strong vision uh, uh yeah uh, to me that seems challenging to truly come up with something new you know and then know it's it- true internally know it enough that you would have an answer for everything if someone asks you like how does a cactus look in our world you're like well here's a here's a step-by-step rule because you know at a certain point your team is so big that into in order to translate that knowledge it must be tricky for sure yeah 
it's true and and i think yeah it's 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 uh, it's pretty amazing that like spider-man from sony have done that i know yeah it's cool i i really hope for more of that and and but just in different ways right people thinking because yeah. i say like because i'll say like you know if it like alternate universe that like the the spider-man spider-verse film was let's say marvel but like it's produced and made by like some french studio then we wouldn't think of it the same true true you, you know what i mean because like, yeah and that's why yeah um hopefully there's more studios kind of globally that start being being able to produce their own stuff because uh, it, it'll naturally become different like you're saying right yeah the origin <clears throat> point is it's different than you know by by that like the chances of you having something newer it's 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 greater so yeah there's so much that goes into making a feature film successful financially and the way it's... it opens that that uh, you know it, this is rarely i imagine this kind of the look thing is rarely the deciding factor there seems to be so much that goes on into the timing and luck and yeah. uh, getting into the market even yeah I, I i don't know like feature film always seems so difficult to like it's it's really like uh because and also you kind of get like one shot like yeah once you once in theater you know the first <laughs> week like yeah and that becomes a it becomes a word of mouth reputation thing right like Mm-hmm. If you don't well do well the first week, like lightly, it's gonna keep dipping. Yeah. Um. But like TV format seems like there is more time for people to actually discover it. True. Um, and it seems to be changing, right? Even the way uh, people consume or seem to like to consume their uh, content, it it is becoming an episodic. Uh, yeah. Style, right? Yeah. Like um, like I mean, like. One, I, I don't know if you've seen it, but one division essentially it's a nine, like nine hours <clears throat> or close to eight hours type movie, mm-hmm. and and it's great because like it's actually the whole thing is about character development mm-hmm. and resolution on on the character, and you cannot tell that in a two hour movie. Yeah, true. So it's cool that they found. Oh well, I don't. I don't. They didn't find a way because it's just the nature of this the streaming. But like they have, um, <clears throat> they they embrace that. Like okay, we have this movie version of the character, but we we can actually tell it in a long form format on the streaming surface, and mm, so connect yeah. it, and then so it's it's nice. Yeah, have you watched? Uh, I'm trying to think of a, a of this example in. In animated stuff, have you watched uh, *Primal* by Gendy Turk? I want to, but I couldn't find it. Yeah, you, you essentially because I was waiting. I, you know, these yeah. days I don't know if you got the same. I got like I got *Prime*, I got *Crave*, and, and I can't buy things. on *Prime*. Well, I can buy it on an other connected service on *Prime*. I think it was like mm-hmm. *Stars*. Exactly. So I really didn't want to sign up for another one. Yeah. Uh, that's what I saw because I I can actually there may be a chance to buy it on YouTube. So I haven't seen it either. I I should stop saying I should see it and just maybe do it like today or something like that because I don't think it's very long. But um, for a show like that, in a way, shame on me. I haven't seen it because it seems like it's doing that right. It's an animated mm-hmm. thing that's probably telling a pretty interesting story because it's more of an adult animation episodically, right? right? It's doing this thing that we're talking about where. Although I'm not sure about the episode length, but 
maybe it's actually easier to tell a more intricate story with character development that you're talking about in this episodic style um, animation. Yeah, and and even within that, like with animation, like you know, like there has been like push of like shortening the the, the episodic um, time because of you know kids' attention span. And you know, when I was start writing, like working on my own thing, like I like myself, I was pretty sure, like okay, I want this to be a twenty-two minute because of the type of story I want to tell. And then, but but I have to think about like okay, what if someone and wants to buy it and say they want to be in a minute. Do I have a solution for that? Mm. Like, and how much do I want to like, do I say no to it? Mm-hmm. And so this is your, uh, I think we touched on this last uh, in part one, but this is your personal IP that you're building, right? Yeah. 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 That's interesting that you already have to start thinking ahead like that. I guess because in, you've done this long enough, you kind of know you need to lay out a plan. Uh, yeah. Just how to realize it. Yeah. Because that what, question's going to come up. Right? Yeah. So. And what do you think? So on your, um, as far as the choices that you get to make and you'll be asked to make differently, how much are you, do you think you're willing to give in? How much do you, would you be fine uh, with that? For that particular topic about the length, yeah, it has to be 22 minutes. Um, yep. The shorter format just, like we try, we actually try hashing out like what would the script be like or what would the episode be like? And it'll just become a completely, um, different type of show it just become like more like villain of the week come and fight fight mm. uh, um it's more th- definitely just more rely on just like visual and some jokes rather than having more depth into the character development so mm. interesting that you yeah that all these aspects that you have to think through as you're as you're building this would um i guess i know you the, and you mentioned that the, you eventually wanted to have your own studio. Is making this AP, did that come prior to that idea or did you start on that it's, first? Uh, yeah, it's prior to that. Yeah. Um, well, the idea was actually, I had it for quite, quite, for quite a while. Um, it's more in like the realization mode, like maybe like three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe around the same time, like, um, yeah, maybe around the same time because like you start noticing, okay, like hey, if I I would have done it slightly differently, like <laughs> you know, same thing. So much I'm to like... learn, so much to learn. On the same topic, because uh, I don't think I got to ask you, what made you want to do your short film? Andy's made a film called Post No Bills. I think you may actually people may find it online if they Google. Yeah, um, I should start doing notes for these podcasts. But uh, what made you want to do that? Um. So that was a co, I co-directed it with uh, my friend Robin Hayes. She's a amazing live action uh, director. Uh, she mm-hmm. does a lot of commercials and done some um, feature length film. And um, so, okay, so going back to uh, previously on the uh, Creative Theory podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, uh, I started in the beginning, I did some uh, background work. Um, uh, doing extras on set and I met her there um, like 15 years ago oh, wow. um, at that point I think she just starting on her career and same as me so um, we we kind of stay in contact um, we we keep in touch we talk about some uh, ideas um, so this is one of the actually first idea we talked about 
um, as friends. Yeah. And then I think three years ago, it was around November. Um, I think either, I think I reached out to her. Cause like through the years, we talk about that little um, character, which is a, a noodle box, like a mm-hmm. noodle, a takeout box. And we call him Noodle Boy. And we often just joke like, hey, remember that? I'm like, yeah, he's pretty cute. You know, like, we should do something about it. Nothing has ever been done. And then, yeah, I think about three years ago, I I just say, hey, like, I I might have heard from somebody that, like, there are funding and grants. Mm-hmm. So I think I reached, I told her, like, we should maybe look into this. And, and also, like, we know enough people at this point, I think we could figure out how to make it. Um, so she went ahead and applied for a grant, and then, um, like, literally right before Christmas on the deadline. So, you know, we, we I scrambled and did some super rough storyboards um, and flushed out the character designs a bit more and sent in a long packet that she wrote the script. And, and we got the funding. And yeah, it was like literally like 15 years in the making in some sense. <laughs> um, and, and I do believe some things are like you wait for the right timing. I, I do believe it's true. Like some things um, are meant to be uh, made at a certain time. Did you make it just to make it though? Was it a desire? Was it a, uh, for yourself? Was that always a goal to make a short? Or if this was just an interesting opportunity, you couldn't pass up just within the world of art making that you have? Yeah, I think it's that, and it's also making something in the format that of animation that I've been working in, but always have some other entity controlling it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this would be the first time, actually, it's kind of free from those shackles. Um, and and in some way, you know, one it's a it's a little test of like, hey, can 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 we do certain of these things on our own? Like mm-hmm. as as maybe the potential next step forward career wise, um, because since then she's like like now she's all hooked on like you know we talked about doing other animation because she now she's because she's hooked on directing like in the <laughs> animation format because there is so much less restraint mm-hmm. from directing live action um, performances. True, and yeah, the amount that you could do, especially once you start understanding the. Um, even just how how much you could do with the cameras, especially in this 3D stuff. Yeah, this it's yeah. you literally you don't need to worry about those ceilings and stuff. You want to fly <laughs> all the way up, you could. Yeah, um, that's how I I, I look at uh, short films. To me, it feels like what you're saying because um, that's what I ha- had in mind when you you did your short film is that I thought because often there's so many people that get to have a say in what's what needs to be made and why short films often are more exciting visually and storytelling wise just because it's yeah it's little tests that people get to do in small teams and uh it works and it doesn't work because of their experience or lack of you know so i think the when we talk about risk taking artistically that's where it gets to happen so um that's why i always that's what i looked at a short film as a medium i always thought it was a, a little playground a test of could you execute this yeah, because there's less consequences at the end, right? Like, it's not like yes. we have to worry about carrying a franchise or um, it's not like your job's on the line 
after exactly. that. Like, um, mm -hmm. if anything, it will benefit you. It's like a calling card for you. Um, so, and I mean, that's why you know that's why Pixar like they did they, they do the shorts. So you just use that those to experiment to uh, earn DLA new tools mm -hmm. for the next film. Yeah, it's a really smart way to do it, uh, especially that when they have that in mind because they're benefiting themselves, right? It's not just mm -hmm. a, a thing in a vacuum. And when a think, couple Oscars along the way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe, but it's, uh, I'm surprised more studios didn't follow suit because that's an interesting way to build your team, your studio, and yes, get like get attention for something that's diff that different, right? Uh, so almost every studio that I have worked at, I have like raised a question like, hey, can we do shorts? And there's always a conversation, but like, like I understand why it never happened, but because yeah. it does, it does take resources. I mean, it's not a huge amount of resources, but it's still taking, you know, we need to stop some people or like see, yeah. So, but, yeah. but that's also why, you know, I would like to, you know, some, someday maybe have either a version of a studio of my own so I could do that experiment because I do see the cool. benefit of that. Mm -hmm. did, the, did doing the short film, uh, did, you, did you find it do anything for you career-wise? Did you get more emails about work after uh, releasing it? I haven't really, like, get, like let's say get any, like, jobs that came from that, but it put me in in the contact to like a different group of people. You know, I talked to, I, I now in contact of some uh, other um, media that is not necessarily just in animation. <clears throat> and then um, I suppose, yeah, it definitely draws some new light. I mean, nothing have came out from it um, that has solidified to some new opportunity, but definitely like, um, definitely establish like new connections nice. um yeah. what would you say is the biggest value you got out of doing that uh, then um i actually get to try like try out um doing some directing like not not just art directing but directing mm -hmm. directing because that's something i do want to get into not not as a full-time career but i want to be able to do it mm -hmm. um because i find that i find that interesting and 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 that's something like my during my current like work like I I, I try to even set voice that I want to try more of that if uh, if I could. That's awesome. Yeah, it's probably around the corner. I or hope you're so. gonna do your own thing, and then you just gotta oh, and that's how I'm doing the whole thing. Right? <clears throat> there you go. Yeah. Uh, one thing I I think I should should have asked sooner because it would be an interesting establishing uh, question. But it seems like you put a lot of love into, especially the superhero kind of work. And I think uh, for your personal work, you you like to lean that way. Uh, have you always been into like are you into comic books and superheroes? Has that always been a passion of yours? Yeah, like um, I think the Batman anime series. Like I start loving it when I was still living in Hong Kong. That was one of the like, like handful of like English programming that I watch. Um, mm. Without, I mean, I, I understand the majority of it, but like I, I don't speak English day to day like, mm -hmm. back then. Um, and I did watch some other like you know like duck, duck tales and such things. Um, but but yeah, I pretty much grew up on comic book. Um, but you know, back in the days was a lot of manga and uh, mm -hmm. a lot of um. 
comic books from Hong Kong, um, which have its own kind of unique style, but definitely closer to like something like what like McFarlane does. Okay. Um, very very detailed and a lot of more gritty. Um, so yeah, I always have the the love of comic book. Um, but I never like like I like X Men and all those things, but <clears throat> I I don't I don't always actually, I don't necessarily like live for it. Mm. I think I enjoy it because I. I I know I understand it and I know I can uh, interpret it in a way that I think it's right. If that makes any sense. Um, kind of like the way you absorb all that information, how it's made. Yeah, like like I I can I, I know I can like take a silicon character and 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 and, and translate in a way that. Um, <clears throat> Uh, it, it it feels like grounded but still fantastic mm. at the same time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but like, understanding. Yeah, but I don't necessarily like lift for superhero. It's it's funny. Like I enjoy them a lot. Like I love, mm. I, yeah, I love reading comic books and stuff. But um, but let's say like suddenly my career doesn't involve me designing superheroes. I I don't think I'll be like upset about it. Mm. But it does. But it definitely does give me a lot of joy. What would be your? Do you have a favorite genre type of art? Then no, I I just like designing different type of look <laughs> constantly. Cool. Um, I, I definitely like. Okay, I do have a genre. I, I like I like things that doesn't look fully three D. I mm-hmm. always like some sort of weird hybrid. Yeah, um, which drives like CG. Supervisors, nuts. <laughs> of course, <laughs> new technology they have to come up with. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, I would like to work on Spider <clears throat> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. These That's days what... are in during your full time. Are you still trying to push this? Uh, you're saying it's driving CG soups mad. Is it? You uh, trying to... I I kind of have to because like um being upfront in the early process of the show, I I need to at least like have that conversation, mm-hmm. even though it might still end up. And not just because of internal, it could be external. The client might still want something more safe. But at least I say I try. <laughs> there like there's, there's several projects that like, yeah, at least I try. And... It's an interesting situation you're in where you get to diff- try different looks. And I always wondered, what if what if you're in that situation and you're pitching looks and you, you have this one that you always wanted to try, like this favorite thing in your head and you see it, but nobody picks it up. So with every client, you just keep trying this one look that you really love, hoping they'll so, call it that. Yeah. <laughs> so when Spider-Frost came out, like me and me and a certain producer was quite nervous. Like we've been trying to do this for years. Nobody wants it. <laughs> yeah. And, I'm, and I'm not the only one like I, many, many mm-hmm. art directors have and or console artists have pushed for something like mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. Well, in a way, just it is really, it's like a moving comic book, right? Like in a way, when you put it on paper, it doesn't sound actually crazy original. It's just maybe hard to execute, right? Like yeah. To make sure that you get the tech to support it well. Yeah. And I mean, there is the transition period of like Marvel was converting all the comic books to motion graphics. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I think even Atomic did quite a few of, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, that was kind of essentially, you know, the, the rudimentary version of it. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. I'm trying to think. 
but it's just interesting that the choice was to do it in 3D, right? That was an extra element of making 3D look like 2D, mm-hmm. just because you can utilize the materials. Well, and way... utilize the camera moves because, like, to yeah. hand drawn that, it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, it'll be insane, especially on the level of detail that they're going for, mm-hmm. right? It only makes sense. And then, so I wonder if it was just to, that's when technology caught up to the ideas yeah. and everything else t- timed <clears throat> out. The funny thing is, you know, technology never needed to be caught up. I think it's just the mindset of people needed to be caught up. Mm-hmm. Like the technology is already able to do some amazing things. It's That's actually true. to release all those um, rules for the technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's exciting. I, I hope one day I get to experience something like where you, you really get to mess with the tech to create something but ideally it always comes out from the art right you then yeah. dissect it yeah in a way you just just come up with cool visuals and then yeah. you'll get some help making uh figuring it out yeah because i mean like so like let's say the spider-verse film like is there a way to make it exactly look the same in 2d yes so mm-hmm. in, in some way like like for me my my whole thing is i never i don't i don't really care how it's made like mm-hmm. but this is a look yeah but you tell me what the limitation is, I can I can adjust it to make it fit that medium, but the essence would still be there. Yeah. And that's how you, that's how I know you're our director. Look at your thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's oh, it's kind of survival skills in the most sense. It certainly are. Um, have you have you ever thought about getting into comics yourself? Did you ever think about any other careers? Um, was this I, it? When I was young, I want to be a comic book artist. Oh, yeah. Because that's what I grew up on. Mm-hmm. Um, then very quickly I learned it's an extremely, extremely <laughs> tough and rough yeah. career. Yeah. Um, they drastically underpay, which I feel horrible for them because they're talented. And <clears throat> again, I'm doing the same thing as they do, really, no difference. Um, but like we get glamorized a lot more than they do. And the industry values a lot more on like um, screen entertainment than uh, book format entertainment. But on the same content these days, right? That's the interesting yeah. shift. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I used to be a crop one of be a crop artist, and then um, because of the same thing, why I like animation because the free, the, the the freedom of imagination and creativity. I'm, I'm not really like whatever I can draw could happen, mm-hmm. unlike live action, right? There's so much more restraints to it um, but then i don't know i, I still want to do like covers I don't, I don't think i i don't think i'm uh, patient enough to do sequential art the panels mm-hmm. um unless it's something maybe from, from my own is very passionate about but I don't, I don't think i have the patience for it these days it's a lot of work it's so much when i was work younger there. yeah I, I was very i enjoy inking very much nowadays no <laughs> Sitting on the desk for twelve hours a day, just thinking. You know? yeah. yeah, that's why the you know kind of like you're saying about two D animation that people who go into it go in because of their passion. It's same passion. with comic books, especially yeah. comic books, because knowing, I think most people drop out pretty quickly after your first page. You realize, oh, this is not for me. This is too much. Yeah, and and again, same thing as like two D artists. Like I see, like I have twelve friends at times. A couple artists, I'm like, hey, you guys or consider designing for animation <laughs> just because yeah. i know it's a better life uh life balance for you but yeah um, especially because they got the draftsman skills yeah yeah um where do you think uh 
something I want, you know, this question I want to ask you, where do you think the 2D animation industry is heading? Like from your perspective, it seems like you know, you've been paying attention for a while and um, have enough experience in the industry kind of seeing it transform over the years too. Where do you, uh, do you have any thoughts on where it's going to go? Um, I think it's gonna, I mean, it's already, it's booming again because of, um, because like 3D, 3D kind of reached like the pinnacle like a while ago already, I think, you know, like they're still making updates on like upgrades and like, okay, we have like an engine now that can calculate more lighting bounds uh, with the same amount of time. Yeah. So, okay, things are getting more photorealistic, servicing getting photorealistic. Um, and then with all the Unreal or like uh, the real-time stuff, like that is just... Um, that's evolving the, 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 the optimizing the time. Yeah. I don't think that's providing any new um, aesthetics, really. Because those things are optimized for realism, really. Um, but 2D, there's really no boundaries limiting on the, the style. So I think that mm -hmm. will keep evolving. Um, and... 3D, like you have so much of the same thing. Almost every studios, like even the the less uh, less known studios and cheaper studios, can achieve pretty good like result. Yeah. So, so they start looking the same, and then once that happens, like people get bored, and even artists get bored, and they go look back to the the, the origin where it all comes from, mm -hmm. which is 2D, yeah. and start and messing you... with experimenting again. And even through 3D shows, they're trying to look like 2D shows. Yeah. Right? You haven't had that. So. so I'll have the funny conversation of like about Klaus, right? Um, mm. So, because uh, like, okay, in, in 3D, I always try to drive people nuts, like trying to kind of evoke the sense of illustrations or 2D. Yeah. But Klaus is doing the reverse 2D shading. They're turning 2D and trying to mimic the 3D. Yeah. And, and yeah, I had this conversation with a CG student and he, he's like, why are they doing that? Because, and and almost like I have the same, like, I'm like, I, I know exactly how they make clothes, but in 3D, I look exactly the same. <laughs> and and I know how much painstaking um, process they go through. Um, so again, um, passion, uh, like I, I, I appreciate people are still doing that because like, I, I like enjoying watching it, but I don't want to go through that. <laughs> so what is it that I mean in that sense to say I think the reason why they did 2D Klaus and 2D just because they wanted the charm of 2D animation right certain things like you know it's the last one percent probably would be hard to replicate um, yeah it, so I guess maybe yeah I, I'm wrong like I, I don't think I can make it exactly the same in 3D uh, but it'll but be very I can, close yeah I, it'll be very close um, but then I mean like I know they did some like 3D on like maybe some sets and such, mm -hmm. yep. but um, but I can even see the character like is there, a, is there a time that like they can literally have the 3D stand double or 2D stand double? Like I, I I think there's still room to make the two, quote unquote separate medium more seamless, um, mm -hmm. usage wise. You know we talked about uh, cameras in 3D. What usually would what becomes apparent quickly that, that something is done in 3D, even if it looks 2D, is just the camera moves, right? So People are trying to move it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just because they can. While I feel like what maybe it's the constraint of 2D animation that I'm sure framing uh, was affected drastically because it was 2D, yeah. right? The, you know, only the crazy 
travel sequences had some bigger moves, but otherwise yeah. it was rarely sweeping and maybe it didn't need to be at all. So like um, uh, we, we talked about Stormhawks, right? Uh, yes. So when that came out, um, there were already some two in shaded animation. I think one was the Spider-Man they did in mainframe. Um, and then there were a couple of some, some other ones. Um, and I, I was looking at a lot of the forums and some people were like, what are they doing? How did they do that? And I don't think I'd ever posted it, but like, like but that's something that my wife always joke about. Um, that I it becomes like a one of the story that I, I should talk about. We literally just turn everything off in the shader. <laughs> that's it. And, that's how you got a tune shader. Well, and and instead of that, we just turn everything up and paint where the shadow should go. Mm. So yeah, shadow would stick to the character, but 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 you're not getting distracted by that moving thing. Therefore, you're just looking at it as a as a style and and. Because people were trying to figure out how we do that. Like, we just turn everything off mm. and let the <laughs> artist decide like where the shadow looks best and and leave them there. So then were the shadows painted in texture? It was just oh, like like okay. a, pretty much a constant, it's a constant material. Whatever we paint is. Mm-hmm. And 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 many, many years later, when people actually start like uh, experimenting with like painterly textures, and that's that's essentially what <laughs> this became and it came yeah. to. Yeah, it's true. Because you guys even, yeah, I think most of your like occlusion shadows you painted in, right? In Stormbox, yeah. you just yeah. And that's funny, because now uh, it, it's interesting because it's almost an iteration or it's an inception of what. Um, have you seen those? Uh, uh, League of Legends. Uh, yes, those trailers. Videos. That's what, yeah. that's just an extremely highly painted version of that. Totally. Yeah, that's funny, man. That's so interesting to see this trans- transition. Which, which frustrated me because at one point we stopped experimenting with that. Um, like we could have maybe arrived to that type of League of Legends stuff like earlier, but I don't think the world was ready yet. <laughs> Wait, but which what frustrated you? The fact that you guys didn't keep going with the technology, or yeah, because like. Uh, at that at Nurkor, at that studio, like mm-hmm. that almost became people came to us because we, we our show was looking different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at some point, because you know, when studio get bigger, you kind of have to start sustaining it with uh, other other projects, and we start doing more and more three D looking projects, mm-hmm. and that just kind of went away. We stopped experimenting as much because <laughs> on, on, on principle, the yeah. very basic principle that and League of Legend. It's the same thing. If I, I if I go back to take those models now, paint it a little better, and actually now use more interactive lighting, it will look yeah. the same. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah, it, it's it's. I guess in that way, a really good principle can be taking so many different ways when there is the budget and a willingness to take something farther, yeah. right? Because you could kind of say same say the same thing for. A lot of styles is just which studio would be willing to take that maybe risk, right? But just try, try and yeah. uh, push the artistry. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe frustrating for you, but it's pretty cool. Well, not anymore, but like, like, but at, at some point was like, why, why did we stop experimenting with that? Like, yeah. Cause that was literally like people come to the studio because of that. Us money, right? Yeah, we just got to do our jobs. That's why you got to make a new short. I think that's what I'm exactly. waiting from you, Andy. 
Yeah. <laughs> and you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm. Uh, I, I took some time just painting random personal pieces, but I think I got to get back to it. This that looks sick. This the the guardian. <laughs> that looks cool. You uh, should develop that. The, oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, man. That'll be a fun one. Yeah. Uh, give me a good writer. See, see, it's like I mean, every once in a while you get a glimpse of something that could be interesting, but uh, the effort, the effort, and the time that it takes to develop any single idea into something that's uh, tangible is is a lot. Well, do you, okay. So I mean, you paint a lot of stuff, like personal stuff, more than I do. Um, what do most of them like linger, or they just kind of go away, like after you painted it? Uh, Aside from your short. You mean as an idea? Like if, if I have an idea? Yeah. I, uh, oh, there's a couple, like there's a couple of ideas that keep, uh, that I, I feel like I could come back to, which shows me that maybe they got something more than just a one-off. But I feel like at a certain point, I stopped trying to write things because I have a feeling, you know, I'm not a writer. So I think I'm doing a good job, but I'm probably not where I think there may be more strength with ambiguous visuals because I'm good at it that could tell a bigger story to someone just because it's a visual and then shape it right. from there. You know what I mean? So, you, uh, yeah. You, yeah, you, you need a writing partner. Um, <clears throat> so my, um, my, my personal stuff, like the, the one about dream. And it was like, yeah, four years ago, it was... Uh, I started like, okay, I think I really want to do this because like, I think the world's interesting enough. I have some idea of how the story could go. And then I just remember like my, my uh, at that point he's a coordinator, but now he's a producer. Um, he have writing background. So I just like, hey, we want to grab lunch and hear about my idea. And then mm-hmm. he thought it was interesting. And so we started writing it. Um, so I still generate a lot of like idea, but like he's when he'll bounce ideas back to me and it works well. That's awesome. Um, to the point now that like, you know, like <laughs> right now we work on like three different things, but like when I pitch, when that's the second show idea, I'm like, hey, I have a stupid idea. You want to hear it? <laughs> and he bought it. It was like, oh, okay, that's very interesting. So he started writing it. And then wow. I tried it a third time. And, and, and obviously I think you have to find someone that, kind of understand where you're going but not exactly the same because there's no point um yeah. that could give you new ideas i, I th- yeah i think you can find a writing writing buddy like uh no, i'm gonna go on I, I'm, not a write, I'm not a writer either yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> boy. but like i i definitely can craft like broad ideas mm-hmm. yeah and no, i I guess, but that's why I thought about, I got to network more and of course COVID right now, but I feel like in the future, uh, just being more attentive to meeting people yeah. who are different fields. Cause you know, it's like the, to meet someone who's compatible in the way their ideas are and who's got skills of writing, it's a, it would be a you know, specific kind of person. So, but I, I like, I do like that idea that just, you know, that sense of collaboration in a small team, I think that could bring some really cool stuff. Um, it sometimes I do wonder if I should get better at 2D animation or get back to animation so that I have more skills to develop an idea quickly right? and I even bring it to motion because in, in a way, yes, it's a lot of work. I'm not discounting that, but it's doable with like two people first. You can yeah. do 10 second clip and just really sell it. 
Well, that's why I'm, I really need to get my ass back on Blender. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I can have room. I can have a moving concept piece so so much quick quicker than yeah. me painstakingly painting some like amazing atmospheric lighting. I can just yeah. generate it. Man, it's so tricky because for I don't know how you look at it, but I started learning Blender as well. But it's knowing when to use the tool, and mm. sometimes I feel like it's no matter what, it's always going to go back to being able to create an interesting visual and ideally have a small team to help realize it. So then I have to ask myself, what's where is my skills used best, or right. what, what what am I best at, and am I being counterproductive by yeah. learning the skill? And I. I don't have an answer because I think knowing some blender would be really good. Just build a proxy, especially when environment stuff, I can see so much value in that, but I, I haven't answered the question of how far do I need to learn this software until it starts like giving diminishing returns of like, it probably would be better if I just drew it, you know, at what point? Yeah. Well, I think, but I think the, I think the, some of the question, I think is more like, not so much how when should you stop learning. It's more like, like you're learning enough that when the, when the, when the, situation arise you're not encumbered by not knowing it exactly yeah like i yeah, want to learn it and it. not use like almost <clears throat> like if I, if I don't have to use it i don't want to use it mm -hmm. if i am able to like hire someone or like have a friend that willing to do something like i rather than i want i rather have the expert to do it yeah but it's just like i don't need to worry about like if i couldn't find anyone i could at least do it myself and then there's people who do kind of at all themselves, right? Especially in motion graphics field. That's an exciting one because they draw from every other field of art and they don't seem to discriminate. They seem to pay attention to games, movies. Like they're really, yeah. I feel like where we're open-minded, but I feel like motion graphics field, at least the good artists I see, they're like extremely open-minded to the world of art because yeah. they can't, they, they get to make small clips, but they have to be so unique that yeah. I think they're able to draw so many skills. They all use like five different programs that you like. Yeah. Marvel designer to do it with character clothing, and then they put it into Cinema 4D, and then they render in like yeah. some other like Octane. Like then they put it back in After Effects after to yeah. come. <laughs> like, That's why seeing those people like, is inspiring, right? They pick up so much knowledge to get whatever they need to get done. It's um, and you know I'm sure like I, I know that that industry falls into their own pitfalls of copying the same look and everything, but the artist skills. That the people possess it's amazing it's uh, uh -huh. it, it really is inspiring to be someone who can like i said like just if you have an idea you can make a five seconds ten second clip by yourself to just show how cool it can be and sometimes that could be enough you know it's, it's an extra so, step yeah so that's very interesting uh you know <clears throat> recently following all these like uh on Clubso and all this nft art thing Oh yeah, and <laughs> what I noticed is a lot of like, I think artists that now very excited about this are ex like graphic artists because the mm -hmm. graphic designer industry kind of died. That was like a mm -hmm. like a thing when I was in high school. It was boom, it was booming graphic design, like website designs, mm -hmm. like cool, like because I love art. Like I see on the empty art is almost like um like DJ esque, like more um. Like a got that cyber electronic punk feel, mm -hmm. um, that reminiscence of like yeah, like the the DJ flyers that we see, like but now in motion and in three D, and and I think that's that opens up to that group of artists that kind of doesn't really have much of an outlet anymore. 
but how much how many of them do you think will be able to make a living with it that's one thing like about the nfts i i'm i'm still skeptical it, about. i think it'll still just be like you know like uh so no difference from like any of the the traditional row of finer like uh like area but like um, but i think now at least it seems like there's an outlet but yeah it's interesting just like watching it because yeah that's uh, a lot of like 3d sculptures in motion yeah um, kind of exactly what you were talking about the, yeah i was gonna say i don't know who those artists are but they're certainly versatile i feel like with graphic design though i feel like if anything because of the amount of tech jobs that are popping up i feel like there's probably even more to requirement for them, but I don't know what the skill set is. Um, probably a lot more UX. Yeah. But it's interesting, the NFT thing you mentioned, I, uh, it's, it's hard to, and I think a lot of people feel like that. It's like hard to wrap your head around it. I'm, oh, yeah. I, I'm joking that, uh, and I think I'm sure people are, many people are too. It's like, it's it, in some ways, I wonder if it's a way to wash money, just like real fine art is, you know, buying fine yeah. art. Because it's a, you know, just because someone says a painting is 10 million, all of a sudden that's an investment and you can't really track where the money came from. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe, it's, maybe uh, you could. And NFTs is harder now, right? Yeah. It's cryptocurrency. So I don't know. It's like, it's so hard to tell where, you know, someone bought that 70 million yep. JPEG from Beeple. And so yep. it's different than someone buying a thousand dollar painting, right? It's just a different kind of consumer, uh, right? That, that separation of markets, um, and then what it is, you know, something is an investment versus something is just a thing that someone bought. Those are different uh, customers. And so it's hard to see without seeing statistics like for NFTs, how many of them are being sold and then at what price bracket. So then you can kind of tell what are the buyers are like. Yeah, I think the stuff that all the big ticket, big, like those are the ones that sold like really big like right now in that space are, yeah, I don't think they're really buying from the app collecting art in from an appreciation point of view it's literally a business investment point of view yeah. which yeah but all investments can't win although maybe oh, maybe because art they can i guess you know because the art is generally those people who are selling art they're going to keep making art because you can tell how good they are they're just right. they that's how they got there and they're going to keep going so in some ways they will keep making it totally so yeah i don't know like uh, it's, it's it's definitely so evolving and uh, i don't know where it's going to end up I'm trying it seems, yeah, trying to, yeah, it seems to me, but for example, like the gallery industry as a whole, I think they, that has, it has been struggling. Um, like in general, uh, there's certainly some big galleries, but I think overall looking at the Vancouver trend, I'm trying to remember who I was talking, I can't remember who I was talking to, but just hearing that as, as a model, it's kind of a difficult one these days and people selling artwork online so that, yeah. The fact that it transitioned to digital, I don't know if the problems are still the same. Well, I think I, I think it's a generation problem too. Like like we like I still like to own a Blu-ray if I could. Like I mm-hmm. to me when I buy something, I should be able to hold it. Yeah. But like younger generation, like they can they can look at an image of Mona Lisa on a screen, which doesn't cost any money. Yeah. But like for us, I like, hey, it would be amazing to own the original because there's history value to it. Yeah. And but then that's just because we place a value in the history. Yeah, but I the viewing ple- the viewing pleasure is exactly the same. Mm. You think so? Instead of in well, person? It, it, I mean, let, let, let's say there's an amazing replica of it that like yeah. down to this with the same type of depth. Like, 
but it's let's say five thousand dollar versus I, I don't know what the Malone sale is priceless. <laughs> um, yeah, but but let's say they can replicate you exact down to the depth of it, like yeah. And and I'm not telling you which one's original, like yeah. I I see your point. Because yeah. you want to care the, because the, contextual value or something. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of the value is placed on its the historical, like the time. Yeah, yeah. Literally, it's the time, and that that like he actually touched that canvas. Yeah, but like yeah, again, sorry, yeah. <sighs> yeah, uh, it's cool to see. I saw Alberto Mielgo just posted that he's going to be selling some NFTs. I yeah. hope that guy does well. I want that guy to just get a bunch of money so he can keep making cool art. I know. So I hope he succeeds. Yeah, <laughs> he seems like someone would get frustrated with videos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He needs to do his own thing always. Yeah. Some people are just such a creative force that uh, they're unwavering in how they are. Uh, yeah. He seems to be that kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Now I'm just thinking about going back to the short film and doing that. And you should. Trying. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. I I, I got to start uh, timing it better. It's such a long haul, um, and you know, I mean, you've made it short. It's such a long haul, especially if you're doing doing free time. It's it's like it must be scheduled. And then I, I don't know, but I'm curious. Uh, at some point, did your desire to want to do it waver? But it's like you still got to keep going. Did you feel those up and downs when you're oh, making? Oh, short? for sure. I mean, I think it's like any art project. There is a point that you're <laughs> like, oh, what did I start? You're like, I'm tired of it now, but I'm so, only like thirty percent in. <laughs> so one of the problem you have right now because you're doing it yourself, you don't have a. So I'm doing an I'm doing a death project with a friend in Toronto, and uh, it. I forgot why I heard about it from a learning from like, just you you just need some All right um on personal projects like, it's better to have like consistent like slower burn than like yeah. that crazy excitement that you just like go nuts for like three weeks and then nothing happened. Yeah. Um, and that kind of relies on like the, the schedule. Like it, you, you unfortunately you have to make it a production some sort yeah. of accountability to it. And yeah. like so for that project, I just, I literally relies on my friend to set up that every two weeks we're gonna meet up. And I <laughs> if I don't have something to show, I'm gonna feel like shit. <laughs> um, and it's not that I don't enjoy enjoy it when I'm working on it. It's just like as you know, like a lot of the problem is getting to it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I and, and we become so such a production or schedule based creatures because we work in the <laughs> industry. We need that. We need their routine for sure. So I don't know. Get your wife to set your schedules. So. Yeah, I'll put something in front of me. I'm trying not to. It's funny you talk about the slow burn. I'm trying. The, sometimes when I notice myself getting excited about it, I'm trying not to at all. I'm trying to like keep myself like don't get excited. Like this is not good. Well, like, I think you need that. I only just suppress that. But, but you know, uh, like it's like the little highs of like achieving something with it, and I'm like I'm trying not to get too hyper because I know I'll it'll come down and I'll. I don't want to go too high up so I don't like drop further a feeling about it. I'm like, as long as I feel steady with this, I think it's cool. So, oh, so, but, um, you know, well, you know, Peter Reed. Yeah. Um, do you that know guy. Nate Thomas? Uh, yes. Okay. So, so I was talking to Nate about like, um, actually starting almost like a, you know, people have book clubs. Yeah. We have like idea clubs. Oh, that's awesome. And 
I don't know how it's going to work because like, you know, like do we make every sign NDA and such, but essentially like, it's almost like a council that like, let's say we tell each other ideas and we, we actually say we, we're going to proceed and what the plan is and almost mm-hmm. all each other's capital. <laughs> yeah, it's smart. And people can come join and like, um, either get, have us to review stuff because we're in industry or, or like yeah. a, or someone who's not in industry want to make a short, like we can give them advice. And, that totally makes sense. I think having people around you who do the same things you want to do and they do it, make, yeah, that's naturally you're going to want to keep up, right? Uh, that, yeah. that would be, but it's such a specific niche um, environment or people that we're looking for that it's like, yeah, you got to, you got to pick right, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. I got to, I got to try to get Nate on here. He's been doing oh, a lot should. of really cool things. That guy's uh, also He's something else. Well, similar to you, though, it's like a, he has a family and a job, kid, and then still powering through. So it really yeah. impressive. Yeah. I keep asking him, like, how, how the hell do you do it? <laughs> well, same way you do, I guess. So you guys are guess, yeah. pushing through. It's a really yeah. impressive. It's really inspiring to see that, you know, in some ways you can do it all. If you time it and schedule it well, you probably lose some sleep, but yeah. get it, get it done. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can, uh, we're getting close probably to having to wrap this up. Uh, let me just throw a couple more questions at yeah. you. Um, uh, this is an, yeah. Uh, how much do you think being an artist defines you? Uh, for me, completely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, oh, I guess. Because, hmm. <laughs> no, because like, well, there is artists, but there's also artists working in the industry mm-hmm. i see those things different because i started working at a young age and i had to work at a young age but so I, you make a deline- delineation of uh, work versus personal art like uh, what that means to be an artist is that what you mean uh i think so in in the sense yeah i think so in the sense that to your question of like that defines me like i think i'm I'm defined by more an artist working in industry rather than mm. just an artist expressing. Because I'm not expressing that much, even though I am expressing through my work, but like, it's not like a true self-expression. But do you feel that the true self-expression has too much weight put on it? Like the fact that you think that that's also different, or I don't know if you think it's better or not, but the fact that it's raised to be such a standard of like artists self-expressing as um, a real thing but not everyone has any, anything to say you know like i think so because like because yeah i i can see like you know so i'm talking to like other artists who are not in the same type of industry i am um because they think i'm being shackled by almost like the big commodity companies i'm like no i actually enjoy designing <laughs> these properties yeah. and actually enjoy solving this problem for these companies mm-hmm. like to me yeah like you exactly you're right like to me that's expressive because that's the part of art i enjoy mm. and not just like painting big face on like feelings or i have a message mm-hmm. sure sometimes i once in a while I have that but like not all the time so mm-hmm. so sure yeah i guess in that sense i guess i'm fully defined by artists yeah so uh, yeah it's interesting how that it becomes such a big part of our lives when you actually, this is a question that I ask my friends who have kids. When you had kids, did it change how you look at art and, um, and how you pursue it? 
to a point. Um, I think, I guess, yeah, like, I mean, definitely changed my view on art, like, work-wise, because, like, I am exposed to different type of shows because they watch different type of shows. Um, and then being myself, I absorb different knowledge just because I'm exposed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, for me, haven't changed that much, but, like, um, it, it does, like, some, sometimes I'm like, okay, I want, yeah, maybe I kind of want to make more things that, like, you know, kids can enjoy. Yes, so mm. in a sense, kind of, like, like, like Nate, like it's totally like it's art is mostly made for his kids again, like, yeah, and, and 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 driven by things that he observed from the kids. So I, yeah, I think I think it's huge. Like even even though sometimes it might not be like detectable, um, I think it does. Uh, it definitely changes the point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. The Nate that we're talking about is Nathan Thomas. If you guys want to look him up, find him on. Uh, He's on Instagram. What is a little Norman Island, a little dino dinosaur. Yeah, a little dinosaur. But his studio is called Little Mountain Animation. There you go. Yeah. So have a look. Lots of good stuff. Okay. And I got last one for you. Uh, What's a piece of art that had a huge influence on you that, you know, has had it to these day? Like a bizarre by another artist. Any any, any kind of art. uh, that's had a big impact on you. I think. I think it was. I forgot it actually exactly what what location or which piece it is. Um, it was a it was a, a piece by Seat of Tron. It was one of the right. original Tron production art um, mm-hmm. by Seat Um It Gosh might be ones. the huh. Are they the gua- any of the gouache ones? Is that what they are? Yeah, I think it, I think it was actually a light cycle, a one with a light cycle. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that I mean that that guy is something else. Um, what a draftsman, a visionary! Yeah, like like we're still using his sworn language to this day. <laughs> it's true. Like he literally defined like sci-fi. Oh, that kind mm-hmm. of timeless sci-fi. I know it's a little more retro now, but like like it's still apply like. Totally. Like the, like the new Tron film, you know. Like I actually just watched it yesterday, and uh, and you know a lot of the core aesthetic is same as his. It's just more polished. <laughs> That's amazing when the vision, someone's vision is so strong. I was, um, I feel like you could say the same thing about Geiger, for example. Like he oh, left yeah. such an impact that it's 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 uh, it's it's such a, it's huge. You'll you'll for a long time will look at something and you'll know if it's inspired by him or not, right? Yeah, and I I haven't seen anything that is uh, more original, more original than that. Like mm-hmm. that has surpasses that standard quote unquote. Like uh, it's such a strong flavor um, visually, and it's you know when you see it. I mean, I guess yeah. you know, like Alberto Miago, like he kind of had that status. Yeah, like, seems like every once in a while some artist comes around, but it's rare someone to be that's bold and um, and also that consistent with themselves they clearly like this one thing enough that that's mostly what they do right yeah like uh, mike nola for example right right that's a good totally. so yeah yeah oh, man yeah it's cool to think about so people look up sid mead and get inspired yeah. rest in peace yeah yeah what a 
man, what an artist. Yeah. Oh, and Mobius. Oh, yeah, that's actually another one. True, added to the list. If you haven't seen it, got to look it up. And Mobius is the one where I feel like in some ways um, hidden, not as well known. I think because, because maybe because... Again, because he's from comic book world. Yeah, and that's why it, maybe it translated into other mediums, but not as strongly because it's comic book, yeah, period. Well, I, I think, well, I think also like when when it was his height of time, like I don't think, I don't think like the, the technology can support like translating that either. Because he, he did design the, the Doom movie and he worked yeah. on, I think, the He-Man movies. Like mm-hmm. it looks nothing like his drawings. Hmm. But now we could. We could okay. literally make a live action film that looks exactly like Mobius. So. And it could be 2D, 3 or 3D, 2D, whatever. 3D yeah. hybrid, whatever. I hope it happens. I see a lot of artists still replicate the look, so I hope um, someone picks it up. Yeah. Talking about ideas that are going to get picked up. Andy, thank you so much, man. Thanks for uh, doing part two. This is uh, very good. Well, I mean, as always, lots of topics to talk about. This is really insightful and very interesting. So thanks again. We'll do a, we'll do a sequel, sequel trilogy sometime. Or uh, maybe uh, we'll, we'll start something. if we do a clubhouse thing or something. Yeah. So we'll keep you posted on that. I'll try to do it through the podcast. Otherwise, Andy, again, uh, do you want to let people know how to find you, where to look up your art? Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Andy Poon Design, Andy Y P O O N D E S I G N. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or anyone artists have questions, always feel free to DM me. I'll answer when I could. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Andy, thank you so much. Everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, I appreciate your support. More info on Creative Theory Podcast, uh, Instagram as well. And uh, I'm going to try to be back with some more cool guests. Thanks. Subscribe. That's right. <laughs>